Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Send their love. We've got a picture of them. There they are. They're still in Mauritius, as, uh, as the Phillipses do. They're in Mauritius having a great time. They uh, spoke to Gabe yesterday. And um, they're praying for you and thinking about us, and they can't wait to be back next week. And um, I can't believe how 2018 has sprung upon us. And I don't know what the end of your last year was like, but um, I need to push start. Forgive me, one moment. Start, good. I don't know what the end of your last year was, but the end of our year was quite frantic and hectic. We had some work done at our house. We had people all the time, and it was crazy. And on top of that, we were trying to get from bronze discovery to gold discovery. Can I have an amen? Is there anybody else here? A show of hands, discovery push for points. I can tell you that Gabriel Phillips was walking into the gym, swiping and weighing himself every day. Greet, and out he was. Mark, I think, did every test available on this whole family. He just sent them. He had to get like 90,000 points in one month to stay on diamonds. And in true Mark style, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Very proud of our family. We managed to go from bronze to gold. We missed silver completely. So for us, that's a massive achievement. For those of you not on Discovery, I apologize. You'll have no idea what that means. But I am Discovery Gold. That is what you're looking at. I'll give you a little something. The problem with that is, is that I am Discovery Gold obese. Probably a little too much, Louise. Thank you. <laughs> little too much. My discovery age is 42. I just turned 40. So it's not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you. Thank you. I'll have you know that Quinton, who's in the eldership, in the t- on our eldership team in Tableview, his discovery age is 52. And you can remind him of that when you see him. <laughs> um, we've got a photo. So I thought I was a bit hard done by discovery obese, right? Can we have... So... So that is me on the right. I mean, I thought I'd get more of a laugh than that. You can laugh, it's fine. As you can see, the legs and the bum, quite tight. Nice. Then when I looked at that photo, I was like, wow, I've got a small head. Hey? Because what's happening there in the middle is Discovery Gold Obese. So I've got some work to do. I hope you've had a good laugh. So we'll, uh, so that's that. And um, hopefully we can work very hard at losing some weight and having an incredible good year. Thanks. You can take that picture down now. (laughs) To the left of me was my mate Derek. He is probably Discovery Gold, the right weight. Hey, Derek? Hey? No, he's not platinum. He missed a few years. He's back down to bronze. (laughs) Discovery is not that important in this church. I don't know why we're talking about it so much. After all of that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this incredible community of people a people that want to count for you, a people that want to live lives that make a difference. We know, Father, that we are flawed, but you are perfect. And we thank you, Lord, that we take peace and comfort and courage and strength knowing that you are perfect. I thank you, Father, for what you did on the cross for us that allows us to be who you've created us to be. And I thank you this morning, Father, that as we share your word, 
as together as a community we take hold of what you have for us. I thank you for change. I thank you for purpose. And I thank you for incredible fruit. In your mighty name, Father. Amen. Amen. Excellent. So uh, we're kicking off a new series this year called uh, Work It. There it is. And basically the premise of this is to inspire you to make a difference in the workplace, to see how you've got something to contribute, how you can value. That's probably a message from the Lord. You can just let him know. He's probably saying, I'm doing okay so far. Thank you. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We want to be a people that counts in our communities, right? We want to be a people that have something to give. We want to, we want to make a difference. We want to belong. We want to be a part of. It's in our DNA. And the reason for that is because we're created for relationship. That is what we are created for. The Genesis story is incredibly beautiful where we see the Father who speaks creation into being. And He takes man and He forms man from the dust. And He comes close and He breathes life into him. And then we read later on how, how we are formed in our mother's wombs. That's an unbelievable thing. We are built and designed to be in relationship. And so, as we look at this work at series, it becomes incredibly helpful just to briefly reflect on the year before. See that preaching spit? Did anyone see it? I saw it. It's awkward. It was awkward. Sorry, Adam. Um, to reflect on some of the things of last year. It's good to have a look at last year because we did some things really well in our personal lives and we did some things really badly. Who, who can... Eh? And so it's good to know what those things are because unless you know what you did badly, you're probably going to do the same thing this year and we would really love to not do those things again to the best of our abilities. And so it's super important that uh, we want to be a people that are moving forward and so we need to know what was holding us up and hampering us. Some of us need to run at the same mountain again this year. We need to run at the same mountains. Don't be discouraged. Rather run at it, get up and over it, than run around it again, and next year this time you're in exactly the same space. Amen? We don't want to repeat unhelpful patterns. And I don't want this to sound like a self-help, rah-rah, motivational speech. But I want us to, I want us to dream this year. I want you to dream. And I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but, but everybody in this room has got something to offer. Every single one of you has worth. Can you receive that today? Every single one of you has something to offer, and you have worth. doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, where you live, how much money you do or don't have. You have worth, and you have something to offer. And we need to embrace that as people. We need to embrace that. And I want you to dream big. But we're going to park that. I need you to dream small. Say, that sounds weird. Because everyone tells you to dream big. So for me, there are two problems. One problem with dreaming big is often we get very excited and we go big. We want to start an orphanage. We want to... I don't know, take over the world. We want to feed thousands of people. We want to do these big things. And they are good things. And we get excited. But they get so big on us that we never start them. Amen? 
Anyone in this room? You feel God's put some stuff in you, you get so excited. You get together with your mates at the bry and you, you dream up these big dreams. And then the reality hits and you're like, you, I don't know how we're going to do that. So I want to ask you to dream small. Have a big dream, but I need you to dream small. Because that is going to give us some easy wins. And you start to string a lot of easy wins together. And this will make sense as we get a little bit further on. As you get your easy wins, you start to get your big wins. Does it make sense? Yeah. And so that's got to do with dreaming. It gives us measurable markers, just helpful things to see where we are, where we're at. A little, therm- a little thermostat test to see. Can I encourage you to write it down? Now, I know you hear this stuff a lot, particularly at the first preach of most years. Habakkuk 2.2 comes out where he says, write the vision down. For a long time, I've just kept stuff in my head. Can I tell you that I don't think it counts because the biblical pattern is write it down. Can you write down, make a list, start from the small and get to the big, and as you go, you start to see how faithful God is and you just start to tick those things off gives you courage, gives you boldness, gives you momentum. And that's what we're going to need going into 2018. So I hope you're going to be inspired today and encouraged of more of what God has for you and for us as a community of people as we move forward into impacting our workspaces. Now work is an interesting thing because most of us have jobs here, right? And if we don't have a job, we want a job because we need to be in the workspace. Do you know that God designed us to work? And He designed us to work hard. The problem is, we don't like to work hard sometimes. But I want to tell you, we're designed to work, and we're designed to work hard. The Bible tells us that we need to toil. The word toil is a tough word. It's not, hey, nice, light and breezy. But it's not just about going after the white picket fence life. About accumulating stuff, living in the house, getting the cars wearing the brands. It is about that stuff, but it's not about that stuff. Do you know that most people spend 238 days of the year, eight hours a day, in the workspace? It is a lot. But I can tell you now, I can't believe that the only reason we're going to work for that amount of time is to earn money. Does that make sense? I can't believe that. I can't. Because we are designed for relationship. It's good to make money, and God is your provider, and He will provide for you, and you will make money. He's the one that gives you promotion. But we don't, in my opinion, for me, I don't go to work to make money. Money is a byproduct for me, personally. I know that's not for everyone. Going to work is about relationships. So here's the interesting thing. I believe God's called us to impact people and their lives. And when we read the scripture and the text, we'll see why. But I believe a key realization as a community of people, we need to get excited. We need to get excited. Can I tell you that you are the vehicle? You are responsible for reaching the city. It's our responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. And we are the church. The Bible says we are the living stones. We are the ones that go in to need 
to change and shape communities. Churches and pastors are here to lead us, shape us, give input into us, lead us. But we are the people that go on the mission field every day. Every day. We are the church. And so, can I ask you to shift that mindset? We are the church. We are the ones. It's our responsibility to take the gospel, to love people, into our workplaces. Every single one of you has a sphere of influence. You can reach people that I could never reach. If it was just up to me and the other pastors in the city, it would be dismal. But every single one of us has a mandate and a call to love this city. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility to start to love the city. And that is how we change a community. And that is how we change a city. Amen? So if you're looking for a title this morning, it's Love the City Through Your Work. And can we put the text up? The scripture should be there. Up if you, it's in Luke 10, 25. I'm going to read it from here because it's easier for my eyes. So Luke 10, 25 to 37 is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It says on verse 25, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. I'm not sure about the wine. That could have been quite burning. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, by the way, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And Jesus is trying to teach us a lesson here, and I hope that we're able to learn it by the end of today and going on. So what does loving our city look like when we do it through the workspace? And uh, the first point today is going to be we need to be the salt and the light. Kim, is that coming up? Some point? Salt and light. Wonderful. Do you know in Matthew 5, we are called to be salt and light. We are called to add flavor. This morning, Matthew 5 was brought in our time together as we huddle as a team 
Leanne brought Matthew 5. It's quite interesting about being salty and being a light, being a city on a hill, adding flavor. None of us have an excuse. I just want to put it out there. None of us have an excuse. It would be harsh to say, I don't care what your excuse is. Every single one of us has something to offer, and we need to start exercising that. When last did you do more than you were asked to do? When last did you give more than you were asked to give? In the workspace. Our job is to show the heart of the Father. We are to be the best employees, the best bosses. Now, I know that sounds like a really big dream, but we've got to start somewhere. Rubber's got to hit the road, we've got to make some decisions, and we've got to decide that we want to add salt, we want to add flavor, we want to be the light in our workspaces. And I realize that that is a tall ask, because I know where some of you work. And it's messy. It really is. But we serve a God who's bigger than that mess. And our job, our responsibility, is to love the people where we work. And this is not about, I'm not asking you to feel bad or guilty. This is not a guilt trip. This is just a, hey, I need to do something different this year. Because I want to make a difference. If we're going to be the best church for the city not the best church in the city. This church, these living stones, need to start to put their best foot forward and start loving the people in their workspaces. It's difficult. I'm under no illusion at all. But we've got to make a decision. We've got to do it. It's not about being on a stage or success. It's about all the unseen stuff. The Father sees it. We do this for an audience of one. We do it for an audience of one. Can we adopt, adopt, adopt the attitude of the Good Samaritan where he saw a problem and he crossed to the other side of the road to do something about it? I don't know about you, but I often have crossed to the other side of the road. Not, uh, I mean, I, I'm often being the priest and the Levite. Unfortunately, I think it's a South African cultural thing of where we live. We become very hard. It's like, you I'm busy. I'm not sure if I can deal with that now. I don't have capacity. Other side of the road. Somewhere along the line, church, we've got to cross the road like the Samaritan. Just with the small stuff. Just with the small stuff. Small, easy wins will lead us to the big dream. Those are some of the mountains we need to run at. So how do we be salt? How do we be light? Guys, it's in the small things. I remember being part of a, a group of guys. It took me a long time to, to get accepted. And uh, our, our kids did sport together. It was an external sport. And uh, after a lot of things, guys were going to have a beer in the pub. So you were going to have a beer in the pub. And uh, guys would literally turn their back on me like this. And you'd sit there with, with your castle light. Just one. Just one. And um, eventually, it took about three years that eventually they let me in. 
Because I was persistent. Because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to impact a group of people that don't know Jesus. And though their actions didn't show it, these guys are incredible, eh? Serving, yes, like you've never seen. Give of themselves like you've never seen. But they just don't have Jesus. So you might be thinking, shucks, eh? Pub, sure. What are you doing in a pub? Can I tell you that uh, there's certain levels of spiritual maturity we need to be wise about? Some of us can't be in a pub. Okay. So don't put yourself in a pub if you can't be in a pub. Amen? Amen. This is also a team sport. Don't do it by yourself. Get a mate. But I was in the situation where I was able to do that and connect with these guys. And how do you start being salt and light? Pub talk. So the guys were hunting on about uh, some lady. Now we're all married. Everyone's having a chuckle. So I said to the guys, boys, we can't talk like this. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, for number one, we're married. You talk like that in front of your wife. Uh, chuckle, chuckle, change the subject. But what's interesting is that one guy in that group came to me afterwards and said, I agree with you. We can't talk like that. It's not acceptable. Small win. Affect one person's life. Might give that guy the courage. The next time he's in a different circle of influence, where guys are talking about women in a disrespectful way that are married, he might have the courage to say, hey, guys, we can't talk like this. It's a small win, guys. I have another friend of mine who works in a big corporate. And uh, for a very long time, he worked for a company. There was a merger in the company, and he, he worked under another um, lady. And uh, this is a man who loves Jesus. He's honored God, amazing family. And he kind of came under such unbelievable pressure for two years, two years, where every day going to work was a living hell. Micromanaged to the umpteenth degree that he couldn't do one thing without having to document it. But he trusted God, he stood with his mates, he got guys alongside him, and he was salt and light into that situation. He didn't fight and lose the plot. He fought in prayer and he stood with friends. Took two years. And the whole wheel turned. And one day, just like that, that lady left. And there was space. Because he chose to stay and fight to be salt and light in a virtually impossible situation. He couldn't do one thing right. He went from working for a company for 10 years with exemplary record to getting warnings. It's not fair. It's not fair. But the world is not fair and life is not fair. And that's something we need to deal with. But we serve a God who gives us courage and strength to stand. If you look right through the Bible, there are so many biblical patterns of men who counted for God, who were good men, that were dealt an unfair hand. It happens. And how are we going to respond? 
We want to be salt and light. We want to trust God that He can do what He says He can do. Can we go to our second point, please? The other thing I'd like to encourage you with is choose one person. Not your whole department. Choose one person. And do everything you can to get to know that person. Our job is to reflect the Father's heart. Find out who they are. Find out about their families. However you choose to do it. This is 101. This is not the most technical preach in the history of preachers. But we're trying to get a base level in our workplaces to be people that make a difference moving forward. Can we find ways to encourage people? Be kind, be generous, be thoughtful. There are so many ways that we can impact one person's life. And when you're faithful with a little, God will give you more. And God will grow your capacity. There are people in this room that can do this with 10 people at a time. You say, shucks, I can't do 10 people at a time. I'm asking you to do one person. You hear stories of a guy like Billy Graham, where Billy Graham got saved at a massive preach. There was a guy preaching, thousands of people, hundreds of people, and uh, there was one hand that went up at the back, at the altar call, and down came a guy, and that man was Billy Graham. One person responded. Do not doubt what God will do in that person's life. It is not your job to fix the person. It is your job to reflect the Father's heart. There's no pressure, guys. Is it awkward? Is it sometimes difficult? Do you doubt yourself? 100%. I'm quite an outgoing person. I love speaking to people. And I botched this recently. Yeah, exactly. So there's a colleague, and we were in Joburg, and we were at a, at a, I run an audiovisual company, and we, we work at a lot of exhibitions. And uh, this particular person has some stomach issues, and they were needing to get back to go for an op. And I felt God say, you need to pray. And guess what I did? I didn't pray. And God said to me, I'll heal her. And I was like, oof, Lord, really? This person, she's lovely. But she's quite robust. She's quite strong. And I thought, what if you don't? I allowed the enemy to cause doubt. But you know what the good news is? That God is faithful. You repent. Say, Father, forgive me and give me courage and boldness to continue to pray. And after that, I went to her and said, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I knew she was going for an op. I phoned her. I said, hey, how did it go? She was like, wow. Why did you phone? Why would you do that? I said, oh, I mean, just interested. Are you okay? And just that has started a process of moments and conversations, she still tells me to F off a lot. <laughs> I say, how are you? She's like, F you. <laughs> awesome. She loves Lee, by the way. <laughs> Lee's her favorite. But um, 
But this is, this is where we find ourselves. This is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in work environments where people are coarse, people are rough, they're going to tell you to F off, they do all sorts of things. This is a reality. You've got to be honest. You've got to talk about this stuff. This is, this is where we find ourselves. Can I tell you, that's where Jesus found himself. But somehow, the greater church has made that very bad, and we must bunker down over here and keep that at arm's length. How is the gospel ever going to go? How is it ever going to go if we are not there? You don't have to swear. You don't have to lose the plot. We are called to set the temperature. Often people will deal with our company and they will say, why are you different? And you get to say, because we serve a king. Why don't you swear? Why don't you get angry? Have I ever sworn? Do I get angry? Yeah, of course I do. I'm normal. And so is every single one of you sitting here. But we serve a king that hung on a cross to pay the price, all we do is repent. Say, Father, thank you for who you've created me to be. Help me to reflect who you are. That's our job. That's our job, church. Live a repentant life. Choose one person. We are not better than that person. We are not better. The only difference is we have Jesus. It's the only difference. Can I tell you what the difference is? The guy who's in jail and I'm not in jail, the only difference is I didn't get caught. It's the only difference between me and that guy in jail. Because there are situations I walked away from where I should have been caught and probably should have gone to jail. That's the reality of life, choices you make in your life. But we are not better than. So we don't need to approach that as better than. We don't have to. We want to reflect the Father's heart. Love, kindness, generosity, thoughtfulness. An extract from Evan Almighty, not Bruce Almighty. Evan Almighty with Steve Carell. There's a moment in the restaurant where the wife and the kids have left because Steve is becoming Moses. It's quite a good movie. You should watch it. It's quite funny if you haven't watched it. And basically, she's having a freak out in Morgan Freeman. Eh? Sorry? Noah. Sorry. Moses, Noah, they're all old guys with beards. <laughs> Heard from God. Both crazy. Um, and Morgan Freeman is God, of course. And... Um, he says this, he says, if you pray for patience, do you think God gives you patience? Or does he give you the opportunity to be patient? If you are asking God for courage, do you think God gives you courage? Or he gives you an opportunity to be courageous? If you want to affect people's lives, if you want to bring change, do you think the snap of a finger it happens? It can, but I tell you what, more and more, God wants us to trust Him, and He gives us opportunity to step. A whole lot of small wins gets us to the big dream of seeing every tongue and every knee conf confess 
that Christ is Lord. We want every person to encounter Jesus. We're not asking people to be perfect. We know we're flawed. We're not perfect. We need Jesus to be perfect. We're all on a journey. None of us are different. Every single one of us has equal worth, just a slightly different function. Me standing here does not make me more important than you sitting there. By no means. Just a different function. I don't have more Jesus than you have more Jesus. Did that make sense? So why do we live that way? It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. And God is faithful. It can be fun. It doesn't have to be a heavy. Make it creative. Be creative. If you're funny, be funny. If you're serious, be serious. Whatever it is, use what God has given you to make a difference in people's lives. Amen? I felt God say this. He said, life is like a chessboard and God will move willing hearts around to win the hearts of his people. I felt God say that to me this morning. Life is like a chessboard and God will move willing hearts around to win the hearts of his people. Will you be a willing heart? Are you prepared to make mistakes? Are you prepared to miss the bus? Are you prepared to blow it? The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't beat yourself up. It doesn't affect your salvation. We do it because we want people to encounter what we have encountered. And that is the King of Kings. Amen? Brings us to our last point, which is stop waiting. Stop it. Stop it. I know life is hectic. I know things are tough. Economically, politically, family, things will get on top of you. It's called life. But every single one of us is in the same boat. Can we build teams together? Can we do this together? That's why it's so important to be in community. It's so important to be in a life group. It's so important to be in a serving team. Because you start to realize very, very quickly that you are not the only one. Because the lie is you're the only one. So you don't engage. You can go and be one of the guys at work, and then you come to church on a Sunday to appease yourself. It's not quite how it works. Jesus loves you 100% full tilt as you are. He just wants to see you change. We're all on a journey. So the stop it is stop waiting for someone else to do it. If you see something, act. Can anyone identify with that? Who are you waiting to do it? Who? If not you. And if you can't do it, find someone who can do it. But we can't keep crossing the road. We can't keep saying we want to be the best church in the city. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see the broken healed. We want to see the barren wombs have life if we keep crossing the road. We can't. We're going to live a mediocre, super average, lukewarm Christian life. And I don't think any of us want to live like that. Who here likes to have fun? Who here loves experiences? Who here wants to just go for it? 
We can do that in our Christian walk. We can do that in our workspaces. And if we team it and we work together, we can have incredible times. Incredible. You need to settle in your heart that people are people. People will hurt you, and people are going to let you down. Is that news to anyone in this room? Anyone ever hurt you? Anyone ever let you down? Every single one of us. It's going to happen. Multiple times, guys. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Don't get bent out of shape and walk to the other side of the road. Audience of one, Jesus Christ, paid the full price for you. doesn't matter what other people do. The Father continues to give to us fresh mercies every day. That's the biblical principle. That's what we're called to do. Love people every day, regardless. It's tough, but we can do it. time's sake, I'm just going to jump Yeah. i tell you what was incredible, he used his own resources he used his own resources, his own time he took time out of his day of where he was going would have been inconvenient he cared for that person remember we're encountering people in our workspaces that are all in different places, they need different levels of care This guy stopped what he was doing, attended to him. He then took that guy, put him on his donkey, which means he had to walk. doesn't tell you how far the inn was. You know, we we struggle to drive from Tableview to Sunningdale or from Milneton to Pardon Island. It's just interesting, the biblical pattern of how we need to start adjusting our hearts, looking through a different filter to go, am I prepared to be inconvenienced? so that others may encounter him. He took two days' wages. And that's all relative. Two days' wages. After already spending one night there, took two days' wages and gave it to the guy and said, if anything else is over that, I will pay for it. Remember, we don't do this for a stage. We don't do this for look at me. We do this because Jesus has called us to love the unlovable. That's why. So are we prepared to do the same? Can I ask you to be prepared? We need to read the Bible every day. And I've heard this for many, many years. People say you need to daily be in the Word, daily be in the Word, daily be in the Word. And quite often it's, you know, you set that natural rhythm in your life. You'll be amazed at what God does. You'll read something in the morning. By 10.30, you'll have your first encounter. And I'm not talking about chucking your hard leather back but God will give you an opportunity to present the gospel. We'll give you an opportunity to say, hey guys, we can't talk like that. Your simple actions, live the gospel, will speak louder than the words. So our three things, our three points were, we put them up there, be the salt and light, Choose one person and stop waiting. I'm incredibly humbled by how God good is how good God is. If you look in the mirror and you look at your own life, 
you tell me we don't serve a good God. Of how many times you and I have fallen short, dropped the ball, the way we've responded, the way we've thought, the things we've done, the things sometimes we continue to do, let's be real, and yet God still says, my son, my daughter, I choose you as the main vehicle to change a city. When you leave here, every single one of you is a missionary. When you leave your house, you're in the mission field. You don't need to go into deepest, darkest Africa or India or America. There's nothing wrong with going on mission. But each one of us has a responsibility. Every time you leave your house, you are on mission. You're on a mission. In the days you're going to get it right, and the days you're going to get it wrong. But the day you get it wrong doesn't mean you chuck it in for the rest of the 238 days. Every day is a new day in Christ Jesus. So thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you that I have worth. Thank you that I'm good enough. Give me courage. Give me strength. Give me boldness. Help me change a city because we want people to encounter the King. Can I ask you to bow your heads? Actually, if any of this has resonated with you, could I ask you to stand, please? Father, I just want to thank you for your incredible faithfulness that you would choose a motley crew like this to change a city. I thank you, Father God, that you sent your Son to die for us, to hang on a cross so that we may be made perfect. And I thank you, Father, that you place a burning desire in our heart that as we go to work, we are designed for relationship. And I thank you, Father, for opportunities to share and show and demonstrate who you are. I thank you, Father, that you are so incredibly faithful, that you love us when we get it wrong and you love us when we get it right. I thank you that you are a God who loves us regardless. We cannot earn more of your love. When we get it wrong, you love us. When we get it right, you love us. I thank you for that incredible consistency. You are an amazing Father. We want to declare that we love you. We want to count for you. Give us strength and courage this year. Give us our big dreams. Give us our small dreams. I thank you right now in this moment, Father, you start to reveal the people that we need to start spending a bit of time with. The people we need to start asking a few questions. How, how are you? How are you? A simple question. I thank you, Father, that we would not be crazy Bible-bashing people. Yeah. I thank you that we would be people that would show love, compassion, kindness, generosity. To reflect your heart, to see many, many, many families rescued. Lives saved. I thank you that you are that good. That you are that good. I thank you that you've chosen us as your vehicle to reach the lost on the mission field as we work. I thank you, Lord, that money and stuff is a byproduct. It is a byproduct of what we do. I thank you that we are created and designed to love people. Thank you for that, Lord. And as we stand here, Father, if, if anybody is here and you 
have heard about Jesus or you've heard of this Jesus and you realize that you're missing something. During the worship, Leanne brought that beautiful word of you can spend your whole life waiting for something. It's beautiful. What you're waiting for is Jesus. And all, the, all Jesus requires is a heart that says, I need you. I need you. I surrender to you. I've tried this on my own for too long, and it doesn't work. And I thank you that every single one of us that has given our lives before have reached that place. We've said, actually, Lord, despite of me, you still love me, and I want to receive your love and your forgiveness. So with every head bowed, if that's you, and you want to encounter the king, can I ask you just to quickly slip your hand up? I thank you, Father, that you are so incredibly faithful. I thank you for your strength and courage again, Father, your boldness. I thank you for your provision, for your protection over this incredible community of people. And I thank you as we go, we will see your faithfulness unfold and unfold and unfold. In your mighty name, Father. Amen.